Welcome and happy Friday. This is Travelogue, the podcast of Condé Nast Traveler. I am here with Peter John Lindbergh, our executive editor, Candice Rainey, our deputy editor, Laura Redman, our digital deputy editor, Calder Quinn, who's a digital editor and a producer for us, and my name is Brad Rickman. I'm the digital director. Um, we have a really interesting topic today, um, but before we do, we're going to actually do a shout out to the drink. We have a, an unusual situation um, with the drink today because... While we have a drink that we're putting together from a, uh, a bar here in the U.S., which is something that we do. In fact, it's in Los Angeles and in connection with the podcast. But we, uh, the, the drink is a secret. It will be revealed in a video tomorrow, uh, when it, that will go up on the website today. And uh, we have instead a Fizzy Fitzgerald courtesy of Calder. Thanks, Calder, you want to tell us what's in the Fizzy Fitzgerald? The Fizzy Fitzgerald is gin, so simple syrup, orange bitters, fizz, and lemon juice. I like the fizz. Yeah, how do you add fizz? Uh, soda water. Club oh. soda. It sounded, uh, it sounded, it sounded, it sounded magical. Ingredient called <laughs> club a little soda. Dust of There's a little bit of zhuzh in there. I don't even like gin, but I like this cocktail. Me Candace, too. That makes me happy. I had a terrible mm-hmm. night on gin It's good for many a cult. years ago, but I this could turn me around. Was your terrible night in Los Angeles, by the no, way? No, it was in Transition. Boulder, uh, <laughs> unfortunately. Well, the topic for the day is Los Angeles. Um, it was the occasion for talking about L.A. Um, we're always happy to talk about L.A., but in this particular case, it was voted the best city in the United States among millennials in our 2015 Reader's Choice Awards survey. And that's the first time that's happened. Um, and I have a little bit of color on that from our very own David Jeffries, which we can get into later. But in the meantime, I just wanted to, um, you know, I know that Laura, you just got back from LA and I'm wondering, and you are in fact, I believe a millennial. Technically, Te- barely, barely. You I'm on the born cusp. from 1980. What's the time period? 80 to 97. Okay. Mm. 18 to 35. We should probably get this right. <laughs> it's, it's, no, it's... <laughs> I think I am a millennial. I'm okay. on the cusp. So Excellent. I'm... 1980 to 1997. So everything I say has a lot of authority. Yeah. It does. Okay. And market value. Right. <laughs> I'm feeling the market value. LA is the place for millennials. Okay. Tell us what you saw when you went there with your millennial glasses on. <laughs> <laughs> so I was there right around Halloween, which is also a very fun time to be in LA. I don't know if you've ever been there at that time, but I hear Orlando's similar where all the Imagineers from all the different production companies, Disney, etc., they go all out with their uh, front lawns, and there's something called a yard haunt. So there's maybe like a dozen major haunted houses constructed in front of these homes, and there are like 40, 50 people there at all times. You could find like a giant Pirates of the Caribbean, you know, ship built in a front yard. And there's, you know, full-on swamps haunted by zombies in backyards it's absolutely terrifying my 10 year old nephew was braver than i was i had to leave but (laughs) it's so it's just like always kind of a little over the top and i kind of love that about la who's Uh, making these things you said imagineers is that like disney people who it's like disney special effects people maybe not necessarily disney but like major production studios it's the you know the key grips in their spare time i don't know but it's incredible um and it's free and you just get a list. You can download a list on a, off the interweb and just kind of plot them across, um, where was I, Sherman Oaks, and then Reseda and a lot of other 
towns I can't even remember right now. But um, what I really liked about LA was there was an, a surprising amount of construction going on. Uh, downtown LA is mm-hmm. huge right now. Um, when I drove through Malibu, what my favorite thing is the um, Nobu Ryokan, Ryokan going up right next to Nobu. Same look as the restaurant. So, you know, Nobu's the great sushi place right on the water. So it's this bleached wood, um, beautiful, true Japanese style place. And right next to it is maybe this three-story traditional, you know, hotel going up. So you can go have dinner at Nobu and then check in overnight and just, you know, have a whole experience. It's what, what is a ryokan? Yeah, I was wondering that too. What does that what does that mean? So it's a think of Japanese hotels with like tatami mats and you know screen doors. It's a more traditional um, guest house. So it's like an inn, like a traveling yeah, inn. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. Okay. Um, you mentioned uh, where did where were you spending most of your time then when you were there? Well, I was in Bel Air for a good chunk of it, and Beverly Hills. Um, I was visiting family, and so you were high rolling. Yeah. You know what's amazing about Bel Air? You, it's so winding up in the hills. You spend like half your day just kind of going around like hairpin curves and everything. And I don't know. I haven't driven in a long time. I've been in New York for a while. So that is exciting. I can't believe how many people rely on Waze like it was a God-given right. You know, like Waze is the app right now. <laughs> do you guys, do you yeah. use it personally? Yeah. I, was, like, I just use it here in New York, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love messaging people on the road. That's the most fun thing to do with ways. Just to message random people. You guys know I'm the only one who does that. Yeah. <laughs> You're the only one that You're does the only that. one who does that. But that it, must be a millennial. It's yeah. a millennial thing. It's, it's a, a snake, pe- snake person. Do you road rage them? No, it's always nice. It's always like, oh, how about that cop over there? Oh. <laughs> sucker, <laughs> sucker. <laughs> we slowed down for him. You're, but you're like helping them out by yeah, letting yeah, them yeah. know that there's a cop there? Okay, I got it. Um, but driving. Okay, so let's talk about driving a little bit because one of the things that – Peter, you and I were talking about this a couple of weeks ago, right? L.A., in some senses, is the un-New York, and driving is one of the ways in which that manifests itself. Exactly. I think, I mean, of the five of us sitting here, I, th- I don't know how many of us own cars or re- regularly use cars besides zip cars or, or Uber. Right. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, I mean, yeah, we were saying before that, like, all the problems of New York are solved by L.A. Right. and vice versa. Yeah. That right. basically the ultimate solution would be to be bi-coastal and somehow make it work. Right. But... Yeah, you're right. I mean, like, not having a car, having a car. Like, right. those are two totally different things, and they can be entirely problematic or not. Yeah. Um, I happen to love, like like you said, Laurel, about driving around Bel Air or driving down a freeway when it's not packed with traffic. Like, I love the freedom of driving. And, right. and I do miss that about living here in New York. Uh, at the same time, I love the freedom of being able to bike anywhere and being able to walk anywhere and being able to jump in a taxi at the drop of a hat. Although... LA has made that a lot easier now with Uber. So yeah, yeah. they um, rely so much on Uber, so much on Waze. Although one of my one of our colleagues, Lily, told me that she thinks of downtown LA as the New York yeah. of LA. Now. Well, Becca, who just one of our other editors who just went there to do sort of like a, a canvassing of downtown, she was t- she talked to somebody in the transportation department, and they're mm-hmm. actually trying to get this that uh, the subway system up and running down there, the, right. which will really sort of transform that area. Totally, I mean, Who yeah. knows when that will happen, but... Um, and how far that would go, I mean... Yeah, I mean, th- she said that it's definitely something they think that will, uh, you know, because that's the biggest problem about downtown, right? Like, if you're... It, it is difficult to get to, and right now it's kind of, kind yeah, of it where everything is happening, food-wise, yeah. art-wise. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, did you walk downtown? Because Becca, when she was recently there, she actually said that it's not like necessarily walkable. No, not really. Yeah. And 
you know, every time I go, I feel like I go to a destination. I'm going to the concert hall. I'm going right. to, well, now the Broad is open. Right. I didn't get to go there. Did you get to go? Before yeah, I open? mean, the Broad's supposed to be amazing. I'm really excited about um, the Timothy uh, Hollingsworth restaurant that's opening next yeah. door. Mm-hmm. The uh, Odium, which mm-hmm. I guess there's a pop-up there right now outside of the museum. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be great. But I think, I hope I'm not getting this wrong. I'm sorry, Internet, if I am. But I think there's a Basquiat exhibit at the Broad right yeah, now. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, so, I mean, I would go just for that. I love that L.A. and L.A.'s museums, it, you know, there are a few museums in L.A. that might be considered national destinations, but not too frequently. But it is definitely becoming more of a cultural outpost. Yeah. yeah. And downtown, too, is certainly getting that momentum now that, it, you know, it has obviously been hot for years. You know, and at first it was more because of the novelty factor for mm-hmm. Angelinos themselves. It was like this, as you said, like it's a New York in their city and wow you can go there and you can go on rooftops and sort of look over at other tall <laughs> right. buildings that are 13 stories tall and you're like wow <laughs> so there was that kind of novelty factor in the same way that Brooklyn for a lot of New Yorkers was like hey look at this kind of crazy place and then recently I think in the last five years mm-hmm. certainly with the Broad it's like the food scene the yeah. car- cultural scene right. it actually has made good on that promise mm-hmm. and we've written about the Sunset Hotel which is this old I think you know pre-war building that used to be John Wayne lived there, you know, Liz Taylor had an apartment, so it has this great history. And they recently reopened and made this great hotel with, you know, a rooftop bar, like you said. You know, as far as walking neighborhoods go, in my experience there, I've always been in a car, driven to a street, Abbott Kinney Boulevard, Santa Monica Boulevard, parked, and then gone, and then hung out for a while. That seemed to me to be the LA move. Was that... Is that in your experience the same yeah. situation? I think I keep wanting to go to Venice every single time I go, and I don't. Do you guys yeah, get I out to Venice? Venice? I mean, I think so. it's it's, it's actually turned there? into such a bougie. It's expensive now. You yeah, know. I mean, you walk down there, and there's like you know thirteen hundred dollar bikes and a yeah. jacket. <laughs> and I mean, there's still incredible food down there. There's Justa and and yeah. uh, Jelena yeah. and kitchen, so yeah. the I mean, the I Salt personally era. think the yeah. food scene in LA right now is a big reason why. You know, it's attracted to millennials, but also just to yeah, people in general, um, non millennials, as I like to call them. Well, you love <laughs> grown ups. <laughs> grown ups. <laughs> well, uh, no, I mean it's grown. it's fascinating because I in the last five years I think that there's been so many um, friends of mine, editors, artistic people who have like moved to LA, mm-hmm. and you know they're shocked by the fact that like it has this incredible food scene, it has a great art scene, um, and it's so much warmer. It's just not fair. I mean, cheaper. <laughs> Yeah. Like I said, the problems of New York. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, I, I asked David a little bit about, you know, how the, what the survey, some of the nuances of the survey result. And it, 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 L.A. did index really high among young people um, for food and for shopping, which, you know, kind of makes sense. But by the same token, what he was saying is that the food, the, the part of what is going on there, he thinks, is value for dollar. Like, and again, solving New York problems, you know, you get a really high quality and it's not quite as expensive as what you're getting here. I mean, there's some serious players out there, though. Like, wouldn't you agree, Peter, with I, like Troy Met, the Troy Met guys, the, you know, Chris yeah. Yemenbrun, like um, Yemenbrun, um, yeah. Travis Lett. Uh, I mean, there's. I think part of that, too, is that, like, yeah, and those guys, you know, the, one of the great things about L.A., which does, I agree, have like this extraordinary dining scene that's. Curiously underrated, even though it's appreciated, it's underrated, I mm-hmm. think, by the food world establishment of the East Coast and the sort of more traditional food cities. Because, partly because it is, 
it doesn't have a great sort of fine dining in the traditional sense kind of scene mm-hmm. because it's not the kind of white tablecloth and sort of formal service kind of thing. There are a few of those places, but most of it is places like you mentioned right. Jelena, Animal, you know, Twamek, Vinny and John's places. And the thing about those guys, those chefs are amazing, but they have this kind of great California, unpretentious mm-hmm. kind of bro vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Vinny and John were called, you know, they were like the, the food dudes for years. And, but that belies a, a real ambition and creativity on their part that they look like these guys or their demeanor is like, oh, I'm a surfer who just like wandered in from the waves and smoked a bong and like showed up <laughs> at work. No, they're like way more inventive and way more right. ambitious than you'd give them credit for. It does yeah. feel like people are innovating. I mean, Roy Choi, you know, going from a food truck to brick and mortar, that's um, that's awesome. But also like vegan Mexican is a big thing. And this restaurant, I want to make sure I get that name right, uh, Ooh, Gracias Madre. Mm. Yeah, I've Mark Elwood just got back yep. from there. He said he loved it. Fantastic, yeah, really yeah. good. Um, but you also have, you know, we talk about bros. There's um, Curtis Stone, you know, <laughs> and, but his restaurant's really kind of fun and clever. It's called Mod, and they dedicate themselves to just one ingredient every month. So th- it it's seasonal. So it might be in June. It's peas. You know, in New York it would be ramps, right? But they create a menu that changes uh, daily and it's focused on just it's a tasting menu focused on one ingredient and I just like that on the west coast you don't have as much kind of white linen fine dining but you do have people taking risks and I think they feel like they're a little bit outside the bubble of judgment if Mm -hmm. such a bubble exists and you get to you know Try I also new think, stuff. like, that's the kind of, the, I mean, talking about millennials, that's probably the food that's sort of, like, of the moment right now. I which, mean, which is that? Like, the, the kind that you more, find at Grand Central Market, or, you know, more, like, right. Egg Slut, um, Bestia, that kind of, yeah. like, it's I like, it's, 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 I don't want to call it comfort food, because it sounds demeaning, but it's... Well, no, it's, it's accessible, and it's accessible casual, and, and it's casual, everyday. Yeah, it's not it's an just, event thing, it's not tweezer food, you know. Right. But it is, it is equally inventive, as you said. To me, like, what L.A. did, too, was... A, it sort of pi- it pioneered, it didn't pioneer, but it, the stuff that we now take for granted, all these sort of tropes and trends that we have on the East Coast and in other dining cities, like locavore, seasonal, all that mm-hmm. stuff, that was being done in L.A. just naturally, like right. generations ago. You know, the farmer's market has long had a foothold in L.A., and it's an amazing thing. The seasonality of things, the whole idea of casual dining and of this sort of informal thing where, like, your waiter, like, comes over and, like, crouches down beside your table and calls you, like, dude, and says, like, <laughs> I can't wait to tell you about the beetroots, man. <laughs> like, like that's, that's totally an L.A. thing that has now sort of spread throughout the country and even the world that we're seeing this kind of casualization and this real kind of informality, which plays exactly the millennial thing. But even to sort of, quote-unquote, grown-ups, like, you know, right. I'm 45 and I'm, like, perfectly happy to eat that way. Yeah. It's also family-friendly, too. I yeah. feel like, I mean, when we were in Beverly Hills, the one place everyone was like, you have to go to is a place called Creamistry. Have you heard of this? Yeah. It's an ice cream place, and it's kind of like a major riff on Cold Stone, so they take you pick your toppings and your ingredients. You pick and your by ice riff, cream. Do you mean like ripping off? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> don't quote me. Um, no, but they use nitrous oxide, liquid nitrogen, not nitrous oxide. Two very different things. Excuse me, but they it's this whole experience where they like you know mist your ice cream and churn it up, and I don't know. It's like a it's a pageant. 
I loved it. I mean, I the guess kids that's, love it. that's true kind of everywhere. This is true kind of everywhere, but I feel like part of what's happened, in, and to some extent, California always feels like it's a little bit out on the edge of the, the head, ahead of the curve, right, in the United States. But because I feel like places like Animal were at a different kind of redefinition of approaches to high end dining, high end ish dining, that is very unlike the previous generation of of California approaches to that. You know what I mean? Like that's almost a 180. It's fantastic. But I feel like it's so interesting when, when to see that happening in Southern California, you know, kind of almost before it even happens uh, or at least in a big way before it happens here. You yeah. Know? They're three hours behind and three years ahead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, well said. The, the other thing is that like with – and you mentioned Roy Choi and people like that. And for me, L.A., is all about that sort of cultural mix, the immigrant mix, mm-hmm. you know, and obviously New York is that way too, and so is Chicago and Boston and Miami and right. Atlanta and Houston. But LA, fusion isn't a four-letter word there. It's kind of, I mean, it is, but and no one would ever call it that. <laughs> but the fact is what Roy Choi, Sang Yoon, mm-hmm. all these guys mm-hmm. are doing is, especially with the Asian influence, is very much what we used to call and slag off as fusion. It's just done in an updated and entirely respectable way. So having that Asian, that real easy kind of interchange of like Asian and French and all these kind of different things playing into each other, and of course Mexican and Central American flavors, like that's remarkable to me that like they can just do that and no one's going to sort of flag them off, whereas here it's still a novelty. It doesn't feel precious. It doesn't feel uh, forced. You know, it feels like it just kind of, it's just kind of a natural thing for them to do. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I was going to ask... Or I was going to point out that one of the other things that David let me know, and again, not to always be referring back to the survey, but I thought this was interesting, is that um, whereas in New York, the place that people were staying when they were coming here, because this is a survey of travelers again, was hotels. In L.A., it's family, friends, and Airbnb. Hmm. And and again, like – and I, I was talking to um, – to another one of our another one of the folks upstairs, Dom, and she was saying, and we talked. We actually surveyed you know three or four different young people, ish. You know before we before we did this, and all of them, the ones who had been out to LA recently, um, had stayed with friends or had done some kind of Airbnb thing. And I'm wondering, again, this this is a recurring theme in this podcast. How are things like Airbnb making places like LA a lot more? easy or appealing to, you know, to a younger group of travelers. Well, I'm wondering, does that mean more people are moving out there, period? They have more friends to visit? You know, like after graduating from school, they're probably not going to New York. Maybe they're going more to L.A. now. Mm, that's interesting. And and I mean, I think that Airbnb is interesting for cities that have sprawl when there isn't a natural center that you want to be in. Like when I was in Nashville, I knew I wanted to be within walking of I call it Honky Tonk Road. That's not what it is. It's 2nd Ave. Yeah. So I wanted to be near that, not 20 minutes outside. But everyone is 20 minutes outside in L.A. So it doesn't really matter. Right. Right. Your choice of neighborhood really does matter a great deal more, even than in New York, for example. You know, like if you want to be in Los Feliz, like it's really tough. Even downtown is actually even uh, quite a bit big leap from Los Feliz, even even on the east side and Silver Lake and whatnot. It's still like a 20 minute drive. So if you're staying at the Ace downtown, which is a fantastic hotel. Yeah. Mm You're still, you know, not in the, the heart of Silver Lake or where you want to be. So Airbnb would be a perfect. What's the trope with Los Angeles? Everything is an hour away. Yeah, I, I think it was half an hour. 
everything half uh, an hour. Two an yeah. hour. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> two an hour. The half hour estimate does not include traffic. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But as far as traveling, you know, as a young person, when you're, you're looking at hotels versus Airbnb, I would, I, I no longer even consider hotels really. And especially in a place like Los Angeles where you sort of you want your own freedom. You want, you know, to be able to bring people over and to have fun and a place like Los Angeles with lots of real estate, even more so than New York City or plenty of these other big cities in America, affords you that opportunity. And then we mentioned Uber earlier. Uber's like a game changer because the big thing with Los Angeles is you drinking and driving. It makes it very difficult. How are you going to go out and have a fun time and then what, someone's going to be designated driver and drive you home? No, no one has to worry about that because you have Ubers or whatever, the, so you know, you, lifts. You never think about staying in a hotel in LA? I, I wouldn't. unless in, crazy unless I me. Unless I like had all the money in the world and could go stay at just the nicest right, place. Right, well, right. that's right. the difference but, between grown-ups and millennials. We like to have our own bathroom. Wait, 401, what is that 401? <laughs> yeah. Well, where, um, would, where would you stay or where would I you send always stay at Shutters because do. I just, I mean, not because Shutters is like the end all be all. I just love that it's the only place that on the beach that is actually like, yeah. it's classic like on the beach, LA, Santa Monica. And so when whenever I went out there for work, because I used to do a lot of celebrity interviews out there, I would always try to stay at Shutters. But my previous company, which was really cheap, used to always put me at the Viceroy. <laughs> sure. Oh my god, that was terrible. <laughs> but it was awful. Wait, why? Oh, it was just. All these fucking millennials. Bleep. Bleep. No, it was, um, I don't know. Sunset is like so, I don't love Sunset. You don't, don't love Sunset? No. But no. I mean, I, I, I always loved Shutters. I thought it was close to Venice and like Venice mm. was up and cut. Like Venice was becoming something so different. Right. You know, and, and you know, back when I was going to LA like every other month. So. Some, something that struck me so, you know, it strikes me hard about California in general, but particularly LA is that there's not really a late night scene as opposed to the East Coast cities I've spent yeah. time on. It's like you wake up early and your day is your day. You're not, you don't plan on, you know, meeting up at 1030 and then your night's going to go till four. Well, for the, the very same reason that you just mentioned too, that historically you'd have to drive home at the end right. of the night. So you wouldn't go on a bar crawl. You just pick one, one destination, have a drink and then go home. And I feel like it's not like, you know, you know, Berlin or New York City where the weather's not always great. In Los Angeles, you're pretty much guaranteed 77 degrees bright sunshine every day. So you want to make the most of it. And that sort of changes the character. It gives you a lot more of like, you know, you're more you're outdoor, the health and wellness is higher. And um, that's something that's refreshing to me as an East Coaster to see. Uh, and it's just, like you said, it's the un-New York. New York is the un-LA, and they do the best things that the other one needs, you know. The thing person. about New York, too, and, and, and that East Coasters sort of complain about LA is that, you know, they're, they're all talking about the smog and the sprawl and the traffic and all that, which is all perfectly legitimate, but... Like in New York, it's all, I mean, in LA, it's all mitigated by the fact that there's just immense, extraordinary physical beauty. And like mm -hmm, this, right. the surroundings that are right there, whether it's the foothold, foothills and the mountains and the palisades and the ocean and the air and the, the light. I mean, the, the air, the smells of things in LA. Like you were talking mm -hmm. about Bel Air, you know, you stay at the Hotel Bel Air and like the intense like aroma of like copal wood and pinion tree fires burning and you're like eucalyptus. You're just like, this is astonishing yeah you know? you're in a city you're in a city cougars right. cougars were filmed next to the hollywood sign like four months ago totally yeah <laughs> i mean that doesn't happen i mean we got a coyote like 10 years ago once i almost yeah. asked you if that was the tv show uh, yeah <laughs> and it's like what I, Cox. What I choose, <laughs> it's like Even, when i choose um, when i choose a, a, a hike in benedict canyon yeah. like over like a ramble in central park well maybe not but like i know that my friends in la 
spend a lot more time hiking Benedict Canyon than I can even think about getting up to Central yeah. Park and like doing yeah. a ramble in Central Park. So. Well, you can also go down to the water. You can go. There's just so much more available to you. I mean, yes, you have to get there, but still, it just feels like I can remember the first time you know, that I ever went to Los Angeles was many years ago. And I was living in San Francisco and I was driving down with a group of friends. I fell asleep. I was a, I was not a millennial, but I was in the millennial demographic at the time. And I, you know, I fell asleep in the car coming down and the only sort of exposure I'd had before that were sort of horror stories of one kind or another, Mike Davis, City of Quartz, that whole thing. And I woke up and it was like we were in this magical, beautiful place and there were hills and there were trees and there were flowers and it was amazing. I I was so surprised by how lush and beautiful the place was and also the variety of the beauty from everything down on the water to the hills, which are kind of spectacular, you know, to to live in, to stay. You know, I stayed with friends and everybody at the time, you know, it was people were living in sort of little hill um, houses or whatever. And it was kind of um, that sort of beautiful spread of the city down below you. And that is a, the kind of thing that you can't really that, – that, that exposure to many different things is something that is very non-New York. You know, It's kind of the opposite. And even San Francisco has it in a very different kind of way than what L.A. has. I think, I think a lot of young people are going to L.A. too because you can pack in so many side trips. I mean there's Joshua totally. Tree. There's Palm Springs. There's yeah. uh, you Go know, skiing Oakland. at Mammoth. Yeah, I mean it's, it's – Joshua Tree is like such a huge thing right now too that yeah. you could hit up L.A. for three days, eat your way through L.A., see the Broad, and then – hit up Joshua Tree. And keep going to Vegas. Sure. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. And I'm still, I'm kind of stuck now on how many of us say we go and stay with friends. Like, I want to come back to this. Like, is it because they have more space? I think it's because they have more space. Is that it? And they have We all just wish that we had guest rooms. Right. Yeah, Yeah. true. Because there are some of the most beautiful hotels in the country in LA. I just don't know that people my age stay with friends, though. I mean, if If I found a really, if I found a real baller, you know, like in Topanga Canyon or Laurel Canyon and found like a great, you know, place with outdoor space, I'd certainly stay there over, because I can certainly know where to go to get breakfast. I don't need room service. True. You know, I don't need a valet to park my car. Um, so, but I do love staying in an LA hotel. I mean, if we're speaking honestly, we did have kind of when we were coming up with our gold list, which we're working on now, we did have some trouble coming up with like the we wanted to come up with like the rec- our recommendation for each of the big cities, which is Paris, London, New York, LA, Chicago. Um, and we did have a even in our editor in chief is from LA, and we had some trouble. Getting to six or seven. Can we hear about the, Can we hear about well, some of the candidates? We don't no. want to. <laughs> 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 LA hotels are really particular. It's just like we were saying about neighborhoods. I mean, they're, they're they very, very you know, and I think that's wonderful about them because, like, you can be a different person. It's just like yeah. LA itself. Like, it's you know, it's sort of a costume change. You kind of you walk into the lobby of the Chateau Marmont and you are that sort of mm-hmm. boho, raffish, nineteen thirties, <laughs> but maybe nineteen seventies kind of person and then you walk across the street and you're in the Sunset Tower and it's like 1938 yeah, and you're right. and you got Dimitri like you know in his tuxedo like showing you to your booth yeah. and I like, mean I love having a drink uh, even if I'm not staying there at the yeah. Sunset Tower it's oh, great that's the thing it's such a good and experience and LA another thing about LA hotels is that they're used far more by the LA public right. and by residents than New York hotels are by New Yorkers and again we keep on talking about New Yorkers we're from New York but that's true of sort of any city LA you know, back in the day when you and I started going out there, it was like, you know, places like the Mondrian were yeah. like, you know, the Ian Schrager <laughs> kind of places. Like the the lobby scenes were like su- super over the top. And like mm-hmm. it, half of the people weren't even guests. They were just like random people who showed up. 
So same thing is true of the Ace Downtown or the Standard Downtown. The beer yeah. garden there is amazing. Like, right. So they're social places and cultural hubs, or at least nightlife hubs, as much as they are places to stay. And do you do, you know, we talked about the, I asked the same question, I think, give or take last week when we were talking about New York. Do you feel like the character of L.A. has changed in the last 15 or 20 years in some fundamental kind of way? Oh, my God, totally. I mean, it's night and day. I mean, now it really, you know, when that Time story came out about people leaving New York to go to L.A., it's because now it's like a cultural hub. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's a place where you can live in a major U.S. city semi-affordably, and it has so much going on in terms of of art, food. I mean, I would go to L.A. just to eat my way through L.A. right now. I'm mm -hmm. probably Absolutely. more excited about eating in L.A. than I am in New York, to mm -hmm. be fair. Because it's wow. less familiar or because they're doing I mean, it's probably a little bit of that, or? but I just think there's so much going on in the food the food world there that's, um, that's just, it's just... I just think that they're probably exceeding us a little bit we in spoke, that realm. We spoke last week about um, New York being a city that's on a harbor, but we don't ever really think of it as a water city. Los Angeles is on, you know, you, you see Santa Catalina Island from like across the, and every time you look out, is this a city that's informed by water or do we... It's so funny though, because every friend half that I have that moved to LA, they say they never, never go to the beach. They never go to the beach. Yeah, no, I always, I always hear Twice that they say, Twice a year. Entirely you have to, people in Venice don't go to the You beach. have to get a dog to <laughs> really? ever yeah. go to the beach. That's what I, yeah. I mean, or, or even, you surf, exactly. or you even surf. Even when I surf. stay the friends that I have there, like, you know, yeah. I've, got fr I've got friends there, who, or friends from there, who, you know, uh, one or two of them never went to the beach. They just were not in that scene, but they're definitely Angelinos. And then I've got a couple of other friends who, man, they were at the beach every day because they were surfers. Sure. And they both grew up in West LA. So like I, it's I go, I stay in my friend's house at Abbott Kinney and the first opportunity I have, I was like, I'm borrowing your bike and I'm going down. Yeah, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm going on the board. I want to see these people. I want to see these muscle builders or these bodybuilders. <laughs> yeah. I want to see these skaters. I want to see these crazy people. Like, this is what I want to do. And that, that to me was thrilling as a New Yorker to be able to see this big, broad, beautiful beach. But then, like we all just, you know, jumped I think in for them, it's like it's like going to Ellis Island. You yeah, know? Totally. <laughs> we, we don't bother it's with so that. It's so funny because even when I would stay at Shutters, I would never. I would just stay at the pool. Yeah. Because like, <laughs> why would you leave? <laughs> I honestly think I think Brad's on something with the mountains and the canyons. To me, yeah. like that's that's the part that's really magical because no other city. I mean, I can go to a great beach anywhere, and, and Manhattan Beach is gorgeous, and Zuma is amazing, and Malibu is yeah. amazing, but like. The canyons, the canyons, you know, are and I also There's have so this like massive, yeah, too. like deep, you know, Joni Mitchell yeah, on totally. your front lawn, you know, <laughs> Mama Cass coming over with oh, David no, Crosby. That is very unmillennial, un yeah, yeah, very like, unmillennial. We're getting a little, but I feel right, fine. Uh, <laughs> I feel you, brother. I feel you. <laughs> Who are those? Who are you? Adele? Yeah. Is she Adele? <laughs> yeah, the old Adele. Yeah, <laughs> her mom. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, um, let's uh, wrap it up with that. Um, anybody got any last words on LA? The one restaurant that you would go to, Candace, if you if you were going oh, right God, now. God, I love. Um, this is so old school, but I love Musso and Frank Grill because the <laughs> martini there and it comes with a little sidecar and it's just it's so talk about that's old school LA. I think. Peter, um, I love strip mall sushi in LA um, because it's super high quality and amazing. There's a place on Olympic and Sautel called Kiriko. Um, that's probably one of the best sushi restaurants anywhere and it's affordable and super casual and you can just walk in and get a table at the, at the, at the seat at the counter. I love it. I'm going to double down on Peter Lindbergh's strip mall sushi. That was the biggest shock to me that you could go get the best sushi in your life in a very nondescript storefront. For me, it was this place called Hiku Sushi. I went last time I went there and it was mind-blowing. I'm going to pivot. I just really want to see the symphony. 
I keep going there, and I, that conductor is one of the country's best yes. conductors, and I have not seen him yet. I'm a former arts editor. It drives Amazing. me nuts. So, and I'll eat everything everywhere. I love it. <laughs> Alrighty. Your turn. Uh, Brad, uh, where would you eat? Gusta or uh, mozza? I, I, like, I, not new, but, you know, um, I haven't been in a few years, so that, those are the ones I'd love to try. Uh, okay, so with that, let's wrap it up. Um, I just want to remind everybody to visit us at cntraveler.com. We are also at Condé Nast Traveler on Facebook and YouTube and CN Traveler on Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat. Uh, Peter is at Peter J. Lindbergh on Twitter and Instagram. Laura is on Laura Redman uh, on Inst- Laura underscore Redman on Instagram. Candice, where are you on Twitter? Candice? Uh- you know what? I always forget my. This is a very unmillennial thing. I always forget my handle. <laughs> oh no! Isn't that no terrible? Handle? I think it's Just Candace Rainey. Should we Google Candace Rainey? Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at the Twitter. At Twitter. <laughs> and you are active on the Twitter too. I do. Which is what's funny because like you, you tweet a lot. I do. Um, I, I do. So just Google Candace Rainey on Twitter and yeah. you'll find her. Follow me. I'm trying to build my following. I'll follow. It's hard. You. I followed her. Uh, Calder's at at Calder Corey on Instagram and Calder Quinn on Twitter. And I'm at Bradrick. And that's it. Uh, Thank you very much. Have a great weekend, everybody. Bye.